Good morning. It is good to be together this morning, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to share from God's Word with you. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with my nine-year-old daughter, Emma, and I told we were just talking about stuff, and I mentioned that I was going to be preaching today, and she said, don't you do that every week? And I said, no, actually, I, I don't, um, but the preaching is when you have a chance to deliver the sermon, and she goes, oh, you mean the boring part? <laughs> She goes, that's what Anne and I call it, her sister. I'm like, okay, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> Friends, this morning, we have a chance to remember and proclaim Jesus is Lord. Lord of all creation and Lord of our hearts. And so we uh, are eager to do that this morning on Christ the King Sunday, as Lori Beth mentioned. Um, And we're going to do that by looking through a scripture from the book of Ephesians. And so I'll be reading from Ephesians, from the first chapter of Ephesians, starting at verse 15. Hear this word. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you, In my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which fills his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is so much going on in this scripture. It's hard to even figure out where exactly to focus, to be honest with you. There's so much happening. In fact, for one thing, this entire scripture that we just read is like one sentence in the Greek. Like there's no punctuation. It's just like the author, and, and it's, it's, most people believe it's Paul. Some scholars think it might not be Paul. There's some discussion about that. It doesn't really matter. Um, the point is the author is so excited to share about the power of God and to give thanks for the Christians in Ephesus because of their faith and because of their love. And so he goes on about uh, talking about that faith and that love in ways that he's seen it. And he starts off like this, for this reason. And so whenever you hear that, you got to back up and say, okay, what reason, right? And so the, the chapter, the, in the first part of the chapter, as you read through it, it's a list of just blessings of God, just, just a, a reasons to give God thanks and praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. And the last verse right before I read says, when you believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, so because of all that God has done in the world through Christ from before all time up until the the existing time that this was written, there is so much to give thanks for and to understand and to realize God's activity in the world and through the church. And so that's what Paul is so excited about. And he has heard about these Christians in Ephesus. And remember, this Ephesus is a place where it's a, it's a big hub of activity. There's a lot happening in the Roman world at that time. Um, but this is also a place where there are a lot of new Christians. And so this letter, the letter to the Ephesians, is written to encourage them in their faith. And there are a couple of things, there are a couple of ways that Paul tries to do that. First of all, he reminds them who they are. And he does that by reminding them who God is and what God has done through the history of the world. And so he starts off again saying, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've never stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. If you've seen the movie about Mr. Rogers' life that came out recently, you'll remember this part in the movie. There's a part where Mr. Rogers is, where Fred Rogers is speaking to an audience and he invites them to give thanks. He invites them to remember someone in their life who made an impact on them. And he invites them to just take 30 seconds and hold that person in your heart. And so on this week of thanksgiving, I think that's an appropriate way for us to start just as Paul was giving thanks for the Ephesians and for their faith and their love. And so I invite you now for 30 seconds to think about somebody who has made an impact in your life, somebody that you are grateful for, living or past, um, and just give God a, a, a prayer of thanks for their life now. Let's take 30 seconds and do that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So Paul begins by saying, I give thanks for your faith and for your love that I've heard about, that I've witnessed and seen. And I never stop giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he says, but that's not enough. He says, I'm going to keep praying that God would keep challenging you to grow in that faith and love. And so he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know God better. So right away we hear that Paul is challenging them. He's affirming them and saying, well done, I've heard about your faith and your love. Keep going and keep digging and keep getting closer to Christ. Keep exploring. There's always more to learn. There's always ways to grow in Christ. And so he challenges them to that. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he's called you. And then he gives a couple of the reasons for for the hope. 
the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So I want to talk a little bit about both of those things, the inheritance that we are called to, that we are a part of, and also the power that we have at our disposal because of how Jesus has act, acted in the world. All right, so first, the inheritance. Again, remember, this is, a, this is a letter to a new church, to a group of new Christians um, who are just learning what it's like to follow Jesus and what's, what it's like to, to love one another as God has loved us. And so it's, it's, again, it's a letter of encouragement, but it's a letter of reminder. And that whole first section that we didn't read, but, but that I'm going to read a little part of here, talks about the, what we need to be reminded of, what God has done for us. Verse 5, it says that God has predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And that phrase, adoption to sonship, is, is one that in Greek it means you have all of the full rights of the firstborn son of your family. And in that time, that meant you get everything. Like you are the one who inherits everything from your family's, uh, in your family's possessions. And so that's what we get as sons and daughters of God. We get the inheritance that Christ has won for us. And so what is that? Well, he goes on to say in verse 7, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. To bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. What Paul is talking is about is the fact that God from the beginning of time <laughs> had ordained Jesus to come and to bring salvation, not just to you and to me, but to the entire cosmos. Everything, all of creation, all of the places where you see things that are wrong. God came through Christ to redeem that and to make that whole and to make that beautiful. And that is part of the inheritance that we are called to, to, to gain as a result of our belief and our, our relationship with Christ. And so it's a, it's a bigger story. It's a, it's a story of the cosmos. It's a story of the direction of, of where the world is headed. Uh, out of the darkness and into the light. We're going to celebrate that as we, as we look forward to the Advent season. We're, we're, we're going to be lighting candles and, and talking about darkness, but the darkness doesn't win. And, and again, this, this timing of, of all of this stuff, it's Christ the King Sunday, which is the last Sunday in the liturgical year, so the, the calendar year for the church. And so it might seem a little weird to be talking about the end of all things um, right before we're going to celebrate the beginning of all things in Jesus' birth, um, but that's why we're doing that, okay? So, so today is just a reminder of that story, that, that overarching story of God's work in salvation on our behalf from the beginning of time through the end of eternity, through, through all of eternity, rather. And so there's a fullness that we are invited to participate in. We are invited to inherit through our relationship with Christ. The second thing that Paul talks about is the great power for us who believe. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, 
seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I think coming out of an election season, it is a great time to remember the power that is available to us because Christ rose from the dead. And it's power that God granted Jesus to rise from the dead, right? A hundred years ago or so, almost, uh, in 1925, Pope Pius, who was the Pope at the time, decided to create the feast of Christ the King. And he decided to do that because he had noticed that he felt like the world was kind of leaning in a direction of, of looking at another kind of kingdom, right? They, they, his, his parishioners, the, the, the Christians in the world at the time were looking at the kingdom of, of the world and what the world had to offer. They were looking at things like the greatness of their particular nation and nationalism and, and, uh, and, and were not thinking about the broader picture of who they are in Christ. Can you imagine such a, can you, like that's, we can't imagine that, right? That would never happen. <laughs> so he created Christ the King Sunday to say, hey, we're going to take this Sunday and remember that Jesus is Lord, no matter who is reigning in what part of the earth. And that is a great reminder <laughs> for us today. And that is a great way for us to realize um, the hope of the gospel this morning. We are focused on the kingdom of God, not any other kingdom. And so this last Sunday of the liturgical year, we, we celebrate that kingdom. Christ the King, ruler of absolutely everything. Um, in an essay uh, entitled The Idea of a Christian Society, T.S. Eliot writes this. He says, to identify any particular form of government with Christianity is a dangerous error, for it confounds the permanent with the transitory. I love that. It confounds the permanent God's kingdom with the transitory, whoever's ruling right now, the absolute with the contingent. Those who consider that a discussion of the nature of a Christian society should conclude by supporting a particular form or political organization should ask themselves whether they really believe our form of government to be more important than our Christianity. Should ask themselves, do we really believe that whatever form of government, whoever is elected, is more important than our Christianity? And the answer is, of course not, right? We are citizens of God's kingdom. First and foremost, above all else. And that allows us to have a different perspective on whatever is happening in the world. And it's not to say that elections don't matter. Of course they do. But again, Vern talked about this a few weeks ago before the election. Our, our guy won 2,000 years ago, right? And that's the most important thing, that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and all creation and of our hearts today as well. And that's what we celebrate on Christ the King Sunday. When Jesus was before Pilate um, near the end of his life and Pilate was asking him, are you, are you a king? He said, well... You say that I am. And Pilate kind of presses him a little bit more and says, are you a king? And, and Jesus says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. What he means by that is it's not, it, it didn't, the, in the Greek behind that, not of this world, Jesus is saying it didn't originate from here. This is not where my source of power comes from. It's not because I was elected. It's not because I was born the right way. It's, it's, 
it is from outside of this world. That's where my power and dominion comes from. And we hear from it in these verses, right? Paul says, Christ raised from the dead, seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus is Lord. And that should change uh, the way that we look at the world, the way that we interact with one another, the relationships that we have, the, the conversations around the Thanksgiving dinner table this week. Everybody, anybody looking forward to those? <laughs> maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, the, I guess it depends on how many people are at your table. If you sit down by yourself, you're gonna agree and you're gonna amen everything. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> but, but that's about it, right? You sit down with one other person and that's all out the window. <laughs> but Jesus is Lord. And the interesting thing about that, again, not only is it, does it give us perspective for how to interact with the world, it reminds us, it, Paul reminds us here that there is power in that even for us. The fact that Christ was raised from the dead is power for us because we follow in Christ's footsteps. Christ was sort of the prototype uh, of, of humanity who actually did everything right and didn't sin and died and was raised again just as we believe that we will be as well. And so there is power in that for us, even not just in the future when we are raised, but even right now. And to proclaim that Jesus is Lord of our lives is to proclaim that we are adopted in Christ. We are heirs with Christ of all that Christ inherited, including eternal life, right? But here's the thing. Paul says that uh, we can't really do this on our own, right? We read that he praised them for their faith and their love, but then he prayed for wisdom and revelation that they might know God more. That they might know God more. And I think sometimes we overlook or misunderstand the power that is available to us in Christ. My son James is three years old. He's about to be four in February. And one of his favorite things in the whole wide world is tractors. He loves tractors and he has from the very beginning. <laughs> and so this is one of his favorite tractors. I actually had to work hard to persuade him to be able to bring this here this morning because he was concerned about whether it would get back and would I take care of it. So I, I got to make sure I don't lose this thing. Um, but he loves tractors and he plays with this tractor all the time. He takes it outside. He, he uses it. There's even, there's a little bit of dirt in here. He'll use it to like dig up the dirt and, and work on his projects. He's always got some kind of project going on. He loves tractors. Well, he's played with this one for a long time. Um, but once he got a little bit bigger, we bought him, actually his grandparents bought him another tractor that he could sit in and it has pedals in it and it has a lever that he can like, he can actually dump the bucket. And so he loves playing in that too. And that was like another whole other revelation to him. Like, wow, I can have this, this tractor and I can pedal and I can move it and I can back up and I can dump the dirt. Fantastic. Well, but then he is also very blessed to have uh, a grandpa and a grandma who live on a farm. And so James is in his absolute heyday when he can go to the farm and sit with grandpa on his tractor. Here's a picture of James and my father-in-law, John. Um, you can see some Christmas trees in the background. That's where my wife is currently. Um, they are Christmas tree farmers. 
And yeah, James is absolutely in his happy place there when he's on the tractor. <laughs> Can we see the next one? Um, those are blueberry bushes in the background, not Christmas trees, obviously. Um, but again, he is, just, he, he is just ecstatic when he is in that place. And he's actually able to do all the stuff that he does with this little tractor right here, right? His grandpa, he can come and sit next to his grandpa and go out and do all that stuff like in real life. Like he can move gobs and gobs of dirt. And he can move boulders and he can move, he can move all kinds of things riding in that tractor. Now he can't do it himself because he's not quite strong enough to like turn the wheel, right? Or, or, or pull the lever. He does a little bit of that on his own. Um, but he has to basically just accept and trust that grandpa's going to lead him in the right direction and everything's going to be all right. And he just loves doing that. He loves being in that place. It's his happy place. Sometimes I wonder if we don't treat God like this little toy tractor. I wonder if we don't treat the power that's available to us through Christ that Paul is talking about here. I wonder if we don't treat that just like this little toy that I can carry around and I can put in my pocket and I can pull it out when I really need it. And if I say the right prayer, if I do the right thing, or if I act the right way, maybe I'll get what I need. We like sometimes, right, that, that we can, that, that the idea that, that we can control things and that we can be in charge and that, and that we, and then we have these, these projects and these needs, these real needs in life, right, to, to, to take care of each other and, and, and the things that we bring before God. But I wonder sometimes if we don't think about the power of God in the same way that, that James thinks about this tractor, that he can just take it with him and put it in his pocket and pull it out in a tough time and, and pray and, and get what we need. When in reality, God invites us to sit at God's side and be a part of the power that can move heaven and earth. The power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And sometimes we still keep coming back to this little tractor going, okay, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hang on to this, this nice tractor. <laughs> it's, I, it's comfortable, it's controllable. I understand it, it makes sense. I wonder sometimes if we're not just playing with toys instead of living in the right relationship with the God of the universe who can move heaven and earth on our behalf. Now, obviously, so what, what does that power even look like, right? What, what does it mean to, to move heaven and earth for us? What does it mean to be in a relationship with God that allows us to realize the power that we have available to us, the power that raised Christ from the dead? Well, it could look like a number of different things, right? I mean, we all struggle in different areas, and, and we can certainly pray that God would help uh, us in those areas of, of sin and in those areas of failure, um, but I think it's interesting that Paul writes here that he sees their love, he sees their faith, he sees them acting it out, but he still prays that they might know even more the power that's available. They might know even more the relationship they could have with God. And so I feel like there's another layer of, of, of access there that sometimes we don't take advantage of. 
And I feel like God is just sitting there on that, on that tractor. Forgive me if this metaphor is not working for you. Uh, my bad. But I, I wonder if God's not just sitting on that tractor with an open seat going, come on. Like, have a, you have no idea the kind of power that I have. You have no idea what I am capable of if only you would ask and if only you would pray and if only you would spend time with me in this place. I wonder if some of those challenges that we face, some of those sins that we, that we struggle against, some of those areas where we lack the faith to, to move in a way that we feel like maybe God is calling us to, I wonder if those might be a little bit easier if we stop imagining God like this little toy and we start imagining God with all the power of the universe at, at God's disposal for us to be well and to live well in the world. And that's not a prosperity gospel thing. It's really a heart thing, right? It's, it's a matter of saying, God, I'm going to give myself. For me to proclaim that Jesus is Lord means that I'm going to give everything that I have to that proclamation. And I'm going to live as if that were true in my life. And that's the way that I experience God's power, right? So in my finances, I'm going to say that Jesus is Lord. We had a chance to do that a few weeks ago as we turned in our, our pledges for the coming year for our stewardship campaign. If you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do that still. We have a chance to proclaim Jesus as Lord in that. We have a chance to proclaim Jesus as Lord when we're wondering what, we, what do we do next uh, at work or at home or in a family situation or in a relationship. All of those places, if we start by remembering that Jesus is Lord, it changes the way that we interact, right? It changes the path that we take. It helps us to understand that there is power in Jesus that's available to us as well. And we don't need to be afraid of taking that small step in the direction we feel God calling. And so I want to challenge you this week uh, as you go home and as you think through this passage, read through it again. Read about the power. <laughs> read it, start from the beginning and read about the power that Jesus has through the history of creation of the world. Read about the power that's available to us as inheritance, as a son and daughter of, of the Most High God. And think to yourself, what would it look like to take one small step to, to trade in my, my toy image for God with the one that can move heaven and earth? What would it look like to access that kind of power? And just to take one small step into that power in whatever area of your life you feel like God is leading you or whatever area of your life you feel like you need direction. Proclaim that Jesus is Lord this week by taking just one small step in that direction. Grace and peace to you. Amen.